The following program has been brought to you by Rolling Press, a family-run, eco-friendly printing company. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening, Fermentable Planet Earth. Welcome back to Ferment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are a podcast that, <laughs> that airs every live every Monday at 7 o'clock um, on HeritageRadioNetwork.org, but we are also archived on iTunes. You can find us there. Yeah, I'm Mary Isaac. And I'm Chris Kuzmi. We are your co-hosts. Mary, welcome back. Thank you. How was Vegas? <laughs> it was good. <laughs> so I was at a work, a day job meeting in Vegas, um, we don't get much time, but I did get to sneak away uh, for a couple of hours and check out the craft beer scene in Vegas. I was restricted to the Strip, um, but I will be tell you that so we I have to go to Vegas at least every year or two uh, for my day job. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I've always been disappointed. It's really hard to find craft beer there, especially on the Strip. Um, but there is a wonderful place called Public House that's in the Venetian that I drank and ate at a few times. They have a delightful... Um, poutine version of poutine that has uh, braised oxtail. It was absolutely delicious. I had it twice in two days. And um, a solid selection of craft beer. So I had a a really wonderful imperial stout from Squatters, which is a a brewery that we don't see out here. And then I had a really good citra rye as well from a Henderson um, brewery. But anyway, it was just great to see a good craft beer place on the strip. So I was happy. I'm jealous. <laughs> but we had fun in your absence. Kyler, Kyler yes. missed you though too. Um, before we get started, today's episode is actually, we're going to talk about lacto-fermented vegetables and things of the like. And we have a wonderful guest, Brie, I mean, <laughs> B, <laughs> Bihana. <laughs> no! It's because we talked about... Bahia. Bahia. <laughs> we just had a long conversation about how hard it was to say her name. And uh, and actually, I was saying her name fine before we started talking about it. And now, now we confused it with all these other other different <laughs> variations. And now, now B. B is fine. B, thank you for joining us today. <laughs> yes. We have a couple more announcements, though, before we get into the meat of the matter. One is New York Craft Beer Week is coming up New on York City Friday. Beer Week. I mean, sorry, New York City Beer Week is coming up on Friday. It's put on by the New York City Brewers Guild. And it kicks off Friday with an opening party that is unfortunately sold out, but there is a ton of events and participating participating bars um, that are running events or food and beer specials or have special breweries in for the entire week going through. what It ends on next Sunday, right? Next Sunday, yeah. The closing party will be at Italy at Birodia. Uh, and uh, the couple key events are that opening party, of course. Uh, Alex Hall is having a cast festival in Williamsburg, the 7th Williamsburg Cask Beer Festival at DBA Brooklyn. And uh, we actually brewed a beer together for it that we called Hall Pass. I'm very excited about it. I just uh, put, put it into the Firkin earlier today. It's basically a nod to Dark Star Brewing uh, Sunburst, which is where he was formerly employed, and he also is an employer, or he's a 
he works with me and Chris Post with uh, Wandering Star. And so Wandering Star will have a couple of kegs or casks there as well that Alex, Alex has actually doctored. Yeah, and the way the, the Cask Fest works is it starts on Saturday. Alex is actually putting it on for four days this year. That's new. It, it previously was, I think, was only three. And he's going to have around 16 casks. Most are rare or very unusual. Yeah. Available. Including the doctored beers of Wandering Star. So he did a mild at heart infused with uh, Chinese stem ginger, and he did a firkin of Burt's Disqualified Stout with French oak spirals and American spoke spirals that he, spir- American oak spirals that he had infused with uh, port wine. So yeah, I'm very, very excited about yeah, that. Yeah, and definitely they have some one-of-a-kind beers that you won't see anywhere else. Um, it's all paid by the glass. There's no entrance fee. There's usually a couple of sizes of glasses available, so if you want to try you know everything or more than you normally do you can get some small pours and then on sunday he's going to have a very special vintage bottle raffle and all the proceeds to this bottle raffle will actually go to the family of ray dieter who the late and great ray dieter who um found is one of the co-founders of dba that's right and among those prizes is a 101 ounce bottle of del borgo real extra so it's those giant bottles there's a lot i have this ridiculous list in front of me of all the all the things that we raffled off we're excited about yeah that. And it's titled in all caps mega beer raffle and it is um that's gonna i think that's gonna kick off around 4 p.m so that's a good cause and it should be a lot of fun if you want to head out to williamsburg to dba brooklyn and then another key event uh, very important and very cool uh one of the proprietors of jimmy's number 43 and host of beer sessions radio and he's also eating dinner right out there here at roberta's <laughs> we're looking right at him <laughs> jimmy carboni is having uh is, is hosting um uh, uh brewer's choice that was Bruce Trice. Yes. On Wednesday the 27th. Very, very advisable to go. We'll all That's be there. That's at City Winery. And I, don't, I can't remember how many breweries he's going to have. But again... 24 plus. 24 plus. And they... Usually the brewers, several of them will bring some very unusual and very tasty things. It's a good social hang. So that's that. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. And it'll all be paired with food. And some of those foods might be lacto-fermented vegetables. Could be. We hope. <laughs> what are lacto-fermented vegetables? I know very little about our topic today. Um, I, I, I just use lacto for brewing beer, but how does it relate to foods? Why do Why do they exist? What's going on? Hi, B. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, so, lacto-fermenting vegetables they can include uh, they can include lactose, um, which would usually be in the form of whey. Um, so companies like Brooklyn Brine for their um, lacto-fermented stuff, I know that they use whey as a starter culture to get things going. Um, you can also just preserve vegetables with salt. It's just an old form of preservation. And um, basically the ways you do it are you either with sauerkraut, you just mix basically chopped cabbage or something like that with salt. The salt draws out the natural liquid that provides a barrier at the top that allows the cabbage to cure um, and keeps like mold and other bad things away. You can also just make a salt brine and pour it over vegetables. So if you're going to ferment green beans like I have here um, or something like that, you would do just a liquid salt brine, and then you'd use a weight to keep um, the vegetables under submerged under the surface. But it's basically just an old form of preserving fresh produce. Before refrigeration before and before refrigeration. canning. <clears throat> yep, exactly. And also giving, I mean, <clears throat> gives a lot of good kind of health benefits. Mm-hmm. It's very tasty. Yep. Everything, foods are preserved in a way so that they're um, totally raw. All of their, like, natural enzymes are preserved. And, and a lot of, um, they're, you know, supposed to be very good for, like, your digestion and health because those enzymes are still all there. And they're actually, in a lot of ways, um, more readily available for your body because of the way the fermentation process has kind of, like, broken them down and... How did you get into uh, into lacto fermenting vegetables? Um, I got into it 
because uh, between working at a grocery store, there's a lot of produce waste that's still good, but so, you know, kind of come home with a large bag of zucchini or summer squash or something like that and be like, oh, I can't possibly eat all of these. And there's only so much <laughs> zucchini bread I can bake. So I was reading about it and it was like, oh, you can, you know, make zucchini pickles basically. Um, so it was kind of a way to preserve a lot of the excess produce that was available um, in a way so that we'd have it to eat for weeks and months instead of just like the short period of time that it would be good fresh otherwise. And I think, so I've, I've been reading, I, I've done, I haven't actually lacto-preserved any vegetables either. I've done some other methods. But I was reading and basically the kind of the same um, truths that, that are for lacto-fermented beer are also lacto-fermented vegetables. Like, it, they don't like oxygen. So mm-hmm. that's why you use yep. like a plate and a weight on yep. top to keep the oxygen out. That prom- helps promote the lacto-cultures. And then also that helps discourage other bacteria cultures. Exactly. And then th- the lacto, um, I think the salt also is a balance too because that also discourages other mm-hmm. non-good yeah. bacteria from getting in there. In the summer, yeah, I'll usually use um, you use more salt because in the summer you're more likely to get um, you know, weird bacterial growth just because the heat um, promotes like bacteria growth. So you use more salt. And then in the winter you can do a lot like lower salt ferments. Um, and then because of the colder temperatures, it's just you don't have to worry about bad bacteria so much. Taking over. Yeah. And then, of course, lactobacillus um, gives out gives off lactic acid that's mm-hmm. why you know like yep. when you have dill pickles or sour pickles they're sour and that also discourages other bacteria from growing just like in beer yep so it's kind of you know there's a lot of similarities there and then the other thing oh i know i was reading because a lot of times like you said you can just use salt now do you ever use whey to encourage um I've, cultures? I've always just used salt i mean i kind of turn to it because canning is obviously the other main form of pre- preserving vegetables but um I used to have long debates with my roommates because I was freaked out about canning because it was like, oh, you have to be sanitary. And it actually wasn't until I'd been brewing for a while when I was like, oh, wait, I obviously can be sanitary because I am for beer. So maybe I should just try canning stuff. <laughs> but canning is a long process. You know, you have to do the whole hot water bath. You have to be very sterile. Whereas with lacto-fermentation, I mean, in five minutes, I can have all my vegetables preserved and going. You know, you leave them at room temperature to let them ferment, and then you can basically store them indefinitely in the refrigerator because the colder temperatures in the refrigerator will just kind of halt the fermentation so it doesn't totally rot. Because basically all that it is is it's just a controlled rot. Right. Like beer and cheese and and everything everything else fermented. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The other thing, uh, because I was reading, so a lot of times in the, they were talking about in warmer weather where you, you know, you have to be a little bit more Mm -hmm. worried about other bacteria is that if you introduce whey, that just speeds up the whole lacto, lacto formation and um, acidity of the vegetables. And then also they actually, they were talking about fruit doing lacto um, preserved or fermented fruit. And they said that actually you need to add whey to, because I guess it doesn't have the same balance of like, I guess the acidity. I was just telling Chris that like I've done, um, kimchi is before there's like this style of korean like wa- it's like a water kimchi and so it's a lot of like cucumbers not really any spice and you'll toss fruit in so like pears apples things like that and i've done that with just salt but it goes very very quickly the sugars in the fruit just really speed up that process so i mean it's in a you may want to leave it fermenting at room temperature for a day and then get it and into then, the fridge right so that it slows it down um and doesn't get like too funky yeah and that's the whole thing so these your the ve- your fermented vegetable or vegetable product. We're sitting here, and bees brought us some dilly beans and some kimchi, and then you also have some garlicky habanero hot sauce. Yeah. What and are dilly beans? <laughs> uh, so dilly beans What's are a dilly, yo. 
<laughs> dill, <laughs> the herb. <laughs> so <clears throat> dilly beans, it's basically uh, a pickled green bean. And traditionally, they actually would be, I think, like a vinegar pickle. It's like an old New England thing, I think. Um, but uh, you can do them with just a salt brine. So instead of pouring like a vinegar, a dill, like you mix your spices, including like dill, mustard seeds, whatever you want to use. Um, and traditionally, you'd pour like a salty vinegar mixture over them and use that to cure them but i realized you can do it with just salt water and then they're great for bloody marys or eating with sandwiches or they just don't preserve as long or they don't they're not as as predictable is that Um, not scratch the preservation but they're not as predictable that's why people use that's why industrial they use vinegar more often than they do lacto-fermented yeah lacto-fermented stuff i mean it you know it depends on the the produce, the temperature, the amount of salt, there's a lot more variables. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, like a canned vegetable, you can put in your cupboard at room temperature and it will be good for years. Whereas a lacto-fermented thing, you do eventually need to introduce refrigeration. Um, And so that's kind of the key. But there are a lot of companies out there that do sell lacto-fermented stuff. Um, The big ones are Hawthorne Valley. Um, They do a full line of lacto-fermented vegetables. And then... um, and also, it was their dilly beans that like inspired me to do it because yeah. they stopped selling them because I guess wasn't cost effective or they didn't have enough beans or something. And I was like, oh man, I can't get those anymore. <laughs> I'm totally gonna make some. Yeah. Um, and then it's real- another reason we all brew. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, styles, exactly. Yeah. And then um, real pickles out of Massachusetts is another big one that does a lot of lacto fermented stuff. And um, there's a bunch of like new local kimchi companies too. Um, Mama O's is yeah. out of New oh, York, yeah, and yeah. they're Delicious. really cool. Yeah, they do a lot of really good kimchi's. We, we hope to do a kimchi episode completely on, on kimchi and the variety of kimchi soon. Yeah. It should be fun. Kimchi's like, a, you make it a little different than sauerkraut too. Like sauerkraut, um, you generally just crush up the cabbage itself with the salt um, to dry out the liquid. And with kimchi, you usually um, use the Napa cabbage and you actually soak it in a salt brine overnight. Um, and then you add in your like chili paste and other vegetables. Um, and it's like the salt from the chili paste um, and like the residual salt left in the like soaked Napa cabbage. So it's a slightly different process. Now, do you do all small batch, um, small batches, or do you have like a cro- you know a bigger um, crock? Or- yeah, I use mostly like big, like one gallon um, mason jar or like sun tea jar. I mm-hmm. usually uh, I lived in Minnesota for a long time, and uh, junk stores are great for finding ninety nine cent one gallon wide mouth jars, um, which are really useful. Or like half gallon mason jars are good. You just want something that you can fit your hand inside to pack all the vegetables down um and something that like the lid isn't so big that it's hard to find a way to like cover because you do want to put um you know some people say oh you want to leave it to like expose it to like all of the cultures but there's there's plenty of stuff on your produce right. to begin right. with um so you know you usually want to put like a paper towel or a piece of like fabric over the top just to keep dust and flies and things like that out and isn't it after the initial fermentation you want to keep oxygen away too is that correct so yeah the oxygen is kept away by um that's why you you weight everything down so it's the the salty liquid on the top and that's what creates the oxygen barrier and then mm-hmm. once you put it in the fridge you usually put a lid on it and then yep. stick it in the fridge yep. so. exactly all right well, we're gonna take a small little break and we'll be back to talk more on lactofermented vegetables and other stuff and other stuff
Today's program has been brought to you by Rolling Press. Rolling Press is a family-run commercial offset print house that brings together environmentally friendly methods, ethical practices, and personalized service. Founded in 1998 by Eugene Lee and his father, Cam Lee, Rolling Press represents the harmony of traditional craftsmanship and green technology. Rolling Press prints using soy and vegetable inks, uses a variety of certified and recycled papers, and they incorporate a chemical-free production process. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. Bahia. Oh, Bahia. But you can just think Bahia. Hey, welcome back to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. <laughs> we were just discussing Bahia's name over here. Uh, we love that name, as challenging as it is. Hi, B. <laughs> Hi, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we know you through Brooklyn Homebrew and as a, as a great brewer, uh, and and you guys do you guys do uh, uh, beer kits over there. Yep. And how do how do you make those kits over there? Uh, most of the kits are the two owners, Ben and Danielle's recipes. Um, a lot of them are recipes that they had entered in homebrew competitions. Um, a lot of the recipes, if you've ever bought one, you'll notice there's a little ribbon in the corner, and that like corresponds to whatever place it won <laughs> in the competition nice. it was entered in. Um, but the kits have expanded to include um, recipes from other people who work at the shop. Um, I think probably the first one was Kyler's Cascadian Dark Ale. He actually, ah, yes. He's got his name right on Kyler it. Kyler was our guest last, <laughs> last week, yes. Um, and then some of the other ones uh, are just recipes. Um, another person who works there, Dave, um, he was working on a double recipe for a while. He's really worked hard on perfecting. That kit only exists um, as an all-grain one. Um, a lot of the... You have one, right? And I have one, too. The Bushwick Brown Ale. Right on. Um, but, yeah, if you look in the all-grain kits, there's actually a, a lot more all-grain kits than the kind of partial mash ones that you see. Because a lot of us, if we have an all-grain kit and um, we think it's a good recipe, we'll kind of, you know, bring it in. If other people are like, oh, yeah, that's a good beer, then they're like, okay, like, we'll make that into a kit. Um, so... Both Benjamin and Danielle also have um, some more all-grain kits that just have never kind of gotten converted down to a partial mash. So I like that you guys do that. I mean, that you simplify it for people, like giving them a good <coughs> recipe for a starter, for starter people, and then yep. people can... And you list all the ingredients in it. You don't just give them the grist, right? Yep, no, you? Yeah, you get a recipe that's got all the ingredients, um, our yeast recommendations, the hops, the times you add them. Um, some of the all-grain kits, we, there's like a, a cherry saison that includes like cherry puree, um, stuff like that and then again that's one that's just just all grain there isn't a partial mash version yet um fantastic so they, so they can take those and then kind of what base what they like about it you know they can, can start adjusting uh, you know from that beginning that, yeah so, yeah buying yeah. kits a lot of people you know they'll be like oh i really like that ipa kit but i want to try switching out the hops and we're we're totally okay with doing that mm-hmm. you know you can swap them out and try something different make a single hop ipa you know but take our base grain recipe so then you, you know even if you're someone who like it's just getting into brewing and don't really know about like you know different the differences in like base malts and crystal malts and how to combine them to actually get a successful style. You can take our base recipe and still be able to play with it a little bit. Speaking Very of cool. playing, have you ever played with taking some of your lacto fermented vegetables and adding them to your beer? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't ever done that. Although eating lacto fermented vegetables with beer um, does go together really well, yeah. um, hand in hand. Yeah, they go very well and. A lot of people I know who are brewers uh, say they're nervous about lacto-fermenting in their house because of getting a house culture, um, the same way, you know, with right. sour beer contamination, people get nervous. But, um, I mean, I keep my yeast starters on the shelf next to my fermented vegetables, and I haven't had any issues with spontaneous souring. Yeah. Or, yeah. Knock right. on wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they good, don't float. Good san- yeah. yeah, good sanitation right. um, is important, and... Yeah. 
it's you know it's like anything else (laughs) exactly so i know you because you we were talking about how you get your that's how you started uh lacto fermenting is you get groceries now you work you probably get mostly organic vegetables yeah uh, that is one of the perks is that all of our produce um at the place where i work is organic and so um yeah it is it is nice to not have to work yeah to start with that um i you know, if I am making something specific and, you know, want to make kimchi and go out and buy vegetables, mm-hmm. I definitely do try to buy organic when I'm fermenting stuff just because, you know, you want you want to know what you're putting in there. Um, but, I mean, that said, I definitely also do buy just conventional produce and right. it yeah. works, it works one, just as well. The one thing that I was reading is that they recommend that you start with, if you're, especially if you're using um, conventional produce, you start with pretty fresh produce mm-hmm. because you don't want anything that's, you know, starting to go because that could already have bacteria yeah. that you could, would be introduced and take off faster than your lacto. Yeah. Um, that is definitely always recommended um, in recipes you see for lacto fermentation. Um, the way that I get my produce, because it usually is, again, kind of the produce that's unsellable so a lot of the time you know with hot peppers they'll start to go bad so i'll end up with a couple pounds of hot peppers that you know i have to trim off the bad spots um which isn't ideal and isn't necessarily recommended but i have fermented very successfully right so when i think i mean in that case as long as you're trimming away the bad exactly yeah and then we're also talking about hot sauce which Mm -hmm. is a slightly different process Mm -hmm. similar but tell us how you make hot your fermented hot sauce. Um, so to make fermented hot sauce, I'll use um, a lot of just whatever type of hot peppers I have. Um, and then sometimes I'll throw in some sweet peppers just because it can get really spicy. Um, and then I like to use garlic or onions um, sometimes. Sometimes I don't. Um, but basically, it's a similar process to sauerkraut. You just mix the vegetables with some salt and um, kind of squeeze and crush it to draw the liquid out of them peppers are have a lot of water content so Mm -hmm. it's pretty easy um i'll ferment it usually for i'll do a a very salty ferment so i can ferment it for a long time and really develop the flavor um and then after it's fermented for a month or two um when it seems like it's gonna have a good flavor um at that point i'll put it into a blender and turn it into a hot sauce um and i got the idea for that because like tabasco is traditionally it's a fermented peppers that are mixed with vinegar um, and so there's like a lot of other precedent for fermented hot sauces out there. Right. And you could also add, like you said, if you wanted that mm-hmm. Tabasco type of flavor, you could add vinegar yep. after you blend exactly. it yeah. to your liking. Yeah. And you're not really like, um, you know, degrading your fermented thing because vinegar technically too is also a fermented product. Right. So. We talked about vinegar a couple weeks ago with, with our friend John who does a lot of vinegar. So yeah. And uh, gifted you recently with a mother of vinegar. Which oh yeah, we have that's to right. Do with, yeah. <laughs> Very fun um, stuff. Yes. <laughs> it looks it looks just like a kombucha scoby. Yeah, they are so, very similar. <laughs> yeah. We haven't decided what we're gonna like ferment. Alien to or me. P- turn into vinegar. Yeah. It does kind of look alien. Didn't you guys do a big cider project? Yes. I was so, gonna say that uh, we gotta get into that. Gotta <laughs> we do. We still haven't tasted them, so we don't know where they're going yet at this moment. But well. at this at this point we, they might be leaning towards the vinegar side. We'll see. We have some other I mean I have some some sour beer that could probably be boiled. It's slightly acidic already. Yeah. It could be boiled down and then and then add the mother too, yeah. um, and see what happens. So we have some options for sure. <laughs> and we have the pressure to do it with things coming up. Yeah. Um, once we clean up that closet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, oh, I was going to say. So basically, I mean, lacto. I, I think one thing you know, people are nervous about fermentation. Uh-huh. Um, Brewing is definitely more of a 
a different kind of process because, you know, there is so much sanitation and, and people, I think, have a better understanding. Whereas lacto-fermented vegetables is kind of, I feel like, is mysterious to people. Yeah, I think it makes people nervous. And, you know, it can definitely get, uh, like, a scum or scuzz on top. It's kind of an ugly congealed foamy thing um which you'll see recipes just say just skim it off and i think people are a little bit nervous about that but that's the interesting thing is that even if you had a jar of um sauerkraut or something and it did get like a mold on the top the way that the culture works is um because the salt brine creates this oxygen barrier basically you can really just take off anything gross on the top and what's underneath will be fine Mm -hmm. um i mean if you're really nervous you know you know don't do it but usually taste is really you know if it tastes okay to you it's probably okay to eat because you have created this environment where nothing bad is going to grow right it's, it's not- too acidic i mean yeah. no nothing this bad bacteria that everyone's scared of it it's they cannot survive in those type of acids so they're not they're not able to you're not going to get sick from that bad yeah, bacteria yeah, once you gonna- get down to that level of acidity yeah. um and i mean wild fermentation is a really great book yes. by um sander katz and mm-hmm. He's out of Ida, which is a big collective down in Tennessee. And I mean, I just would recommend anyone to get that book because it really breaks it down um, in a very accessible way. And it's got recipe ideas, but it's basically just, you know, different methods of fermentation and kind of really trying to demystify it and encourage people to just go out and try it. And speaking of that, he's actually speaking at the um, Museum of Natural History in Manhattan. I believe it's April 24th. I just bought tickets. Um, Awesome. So yeah, so we just I just bought tickets for us last night because we've never seen him speak. We have the wild fermentation yep. and the art of fermentation. Yeah, yep. he just came out with that other, which one. is a huge, massive yeah. <laughs> volume of all kinds of delightful information. Um, but if you're interested in that, if you're in New York City, um, please go to the Museum of Natural History site. It's called the Art of Fermentation. Um, oh, that brings me to another thing. That's another event that's going on. Before I forget. Um, Heritage Radio Network is having a series of salons, and the first uh, one yes. is Wednesday. This Wednesday <coughs> at Sorry. 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock to 10 p.m. at the Heritage Radio Network uh, uh, headquarters here in Bushwick. Yep. Yay! Which is on, <laughs> it's just right around the corner from Roberta's. It's um, on Siegel Street. And basically, it's $20 to get in. It's going to be a ton of hosts. Chris and I are both going to be there. You get beer from Blue Point Brewing Company, bison from Thunderheart Bison, chips and salsa from Brooklyn Salsa Company, and there's going to be beats by Jerry Jones and Black Lauren. So it should be a, just a good kind of hang. You get food, a little drink, and um, and get to meet some of the hosts of Heritage Radio Network. So we encourage you to, to come out to that if you would like to meet us and and meet some really interesting people. Come see why we have faces for radio. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there it is. I'll be here all week. Well, at least one day of the week. Every week. <laughs> Mondays at 7 p.m. <laughs> Man. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Um, this is very exciting. I'm, ex- I'm really, I'm, I'm really, I love this. I love doing this show because, and part of the reason we're doing this is because, I mean, I'm, I'm curious about all these other things, I, but I don't know much about it. I mean, I know much, far less than Mary knows about, about, about doing it. I've been dabbling stuff. over the years. We only just started cohabitating, <laughs> which, I, which is also very exciting. And things are getting moldy just by accident, but, uh, you know, <laughs> or maybe they started there. But they're getting cleaned up. But, uh, but I definitely want to get into doing lacto-fermented vegetables. And it's incredibly, incredibly easy. Like, yeah. I think my take-home is, uh, you know, you just throw some salt on some vegetables. And it, like, so if there's, I, there's certain ratios. And again, like, that's where, like, getting wild fermentation or something like that. Um, or just, like, reading a recipe. But, yeah, and there's a lot yeah. of recipes online yep. um, as well. So we will, uh, we've, we're a little bit behind in updating our website. But we will uh, add some links to how to 
like some basic links on where to, where to some res, some resources. Yes, <laughs> on our website, fomentaboutit.com, <laughs> and maybe B will contribute a recipe um, for for you guys to try. But ba- we just wanted to hopefully yeah. this show has demystified the art of of lacto fermented vegetables and hot sauces. So is it advisable? So if I have some vegetables in my refrigerator and and uh, I forgot they were there, they're starting to go wrong. I should just even though it's not ideal because I mean, they're not fresh. But is it? Are they if salvageable or usable? If they're, if they're rotten, you don't want to use them. Right. But it's, 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 you know, they have a bad spot that you can cut out. Yeah. You can use what's remaining. But I mean, I wouldn't take like don't take something, something I wouldn't moldy. cook to eat. Exactly. To, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't do. eat it that day, you probably shouldn't ferment right. it. Okay, good to yeah. know. It's not gonna. It's not gonna save something that's already rotten. Okay. Yeah. I'm always looking for those. You know, how can yeah. I make the most? <laughs> I, know. I tend to forget. But, it. So you've just got. Oh. You've, you've got to realize two days before it gets to that yeah. bad point, <laughs> right. and then preserve right. it. Yeah. But a lot of times you'll buy. You know, you'll buy vegetables or something for a recipe, and then you don't end up don't you don't use them all. You don't have a chance to. So that's a great people a- with ideal. CFA, CSAs. It's a oh, yeah. great way to use your CSA if you are just feeling overwhelmed in the summer by getting too much of one thing. Um, it's a really great way. Great way to just quickly preserve a bunch of it that is and a make great it point, last. Actually. And, yeah. and please join us ASA. It's worth it. Yep. Yeah. All right. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Come to the party. See you on Wednesday. Enjoy Craft Beer Week. I mean, yep. uh, New York City Beer Week. Yep. Um, Brewer's Choice, Jimmy Carvoni. But we'll be back next Monday live at 7 p.m. And we'll have some updates on New York City Beer Week and what's going on. So we hope that you'll tune in next week. That's right. See you then. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 